I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, good people, and welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. My name is Emmett Mann. Thank you for listening. Please do rate, review, subscribe, do all that fun stuff on all podcast platforms and also obviously on, on social. Joining me today is Louis Zatzman of Raptors Republic and 538. Sir, you're off to a hot start. It's kind of a similar to OG and Inobi's start so far this year. So you've done some terrific work. Uh, kudos on that for, for sure. <laughs> You're too kind, man. I appreciate that. It's uh, it's great to be here. We've uh, we've chatted ball a little bit in the past. It's always been a pleasure. Beautiful. So I wanted to to ask you um, about well, I guess bringing back Pascal Siakam into the lineup, and obviously it's a good thing, right? You add your you know arguably your best player uh, to your roster, and that's uh, never a bad thing. But uh, I mean, that's like 35, 37, 40 minutes that you now have to integrate into your lineup. And that is going to mean that a lot of other players are A, going to lose minutes and B, aren't going to take as many shots. So what we're going to do today for you fine people is we are going to look at uh, a couple of questions that the Raptors have to answer as they bring in Pascal Siakam and as he get, kind of gets himself acclimated to this new roster, new lineup, whole new ideology, all that fun stuff. So first off, Lewis, you so graciously offered this question that the Raptors have to answer is how do the Raptors work with OG and Scotty and Pascal on offense? Like what are they, what exactly are they going to do to make sure that they're all being fed? You know, <laughs> they all got to eat and they all need their proper shots. And also, I mean, what exactly do you do? Like who, whose job is what things of that nature. So I'm going to turn it to you. What is the first thing that you're kind of curious about? How are they going to do this? Yeah. When it comes to, offensive basketball you can sort of think of things as uh, it's easy to get easy shots or it's hard to get easy shots and when you have a bunch of players who can shoot it becomes much easier to create easy shots all you have to do is sort of run a pick and roll get into the paint and it'll work that's all but the Raptors don't really have the benefit of that at the moment that doesn't mean they can't run good offense right Pascal Siakam is probably yeah. going to bounce back into being a, a middling shooter. I think Boy, we hope so. As bad as last year. <laughs> um, I think last year was sort of, he, he lost confidence in himself. And I was much more impressed with his stroke in Brooklyn, just his willingness to take it. Um, but right Scott Barnes too, as well. Right? It took no time. Exactly. Like his first shot, right? Was, yeah, uh, he was unleashed that. Transition. It was uh, it was nothing but net. It was perfect. Yeah. But so uh, you're not expecting him to fire up, you know, 10 threes a game like Fred or anything. And so with Pascal and Scotty together, and often you're also going to see them alongside a center too. And so it's a lot harder to, to create good shots. It creates more work. Um, so in one thing, it just means you kind of have to grind more, but I think there's going to be really interesting setups. And this is something that you were actually mentioning before the mics turned on is like, how does Freddie get off ball? 
And I think if Freddie is on ball, that actually kind of minimizes um, a lot of the things this lineup can do because Pascal and Scotty, both pretty good cutters, uh, but not really what you want to do for 20 minutes a game. And so they can run some really weird, funky stuff. Scotty is a great screener. Pascal's a great handler. I mean, even though Fred and OG are maybe two of their best initiators in the pick and roll, they might be at their best throwing curveballs now and then getting them off the ball, right? OG maybe in the dunker spot, Fred cutting the baseline, doing some Danny Green cuts and seeing what Pascal and Scotty can do together. And they can switch that around, right? Pascal can screen, OG can screen. Fred actually is a great screener. And so Nick Nurse talked a lot in the beginning of the year and continues to talk about how everybody does everything on offense. That's not just because they're a young team. They're trying to get everybody, uh, you know, their skills up in all different areas. It's actually a matter of necessity. They can only be at their best when Pascal is not just, you know, isolating, when he's not just posting up, when Fred is not just the point guard. They're at their best when all of these guys are switching around. And it's going to be hard, right? It takes a lot of high-level thought. You need to solve difficult problems on the go on a lot of possessions rather than just running the same play over and over. That's not hard. You don't have to think. So fortunately Toronto has a lot of high level thinkers and it just means watching them is going to be a lot of fun. It also means there's going to be more droughts. I think it can work and it's going to be just glorious to see them mold and develop in different ways to see how they put it together. It's funny because last year and previous seasons, we were just like begging for a Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam pick and roll. We just wanted to see it. We saw a little bit of every once in a while. We got teased about it. And now it's like almost mandatory. And we got a snippet of it um, in that Brooklyn game. There was a play that comes to mind where um, Pascal, he faked a screen. He did a quick roll right towards the bucket. And uh, Freddie found with a nice little wraparound pass and Pascal drew a foul. And it's stuff like that. Like you just, you that has to be like the basis of your offense almost, right? is that you have these dynamic players who can do so yeah. many different things on the court is that you have to just kind of like, as you said, get really funky with it. Like you need to see OG setting a screen for Pascal and vice versa. And you got to see Scotty setting a screen and like, you know, faking a screen and then like, you know, going off ball and setting some off ball screens and cutting to the rim. Like you have to get crazy with it and it's going to be chaotic, but it has to be sort of controlled chaos at the same time because if it's not controlled it's going to get very messy nick has alluded to the fact that you know sometimes spacing is going to be an issue and that immediately happens once you have um, a center on the court right because chem and precious they're not exactly three-point shooters at the time they can make it and they can shoot them and they'll do it but that's not exactly the shot that you want them necessarily be taking you kind of want them in that dunker spot or to be cutting off ball things of that nature. Cause that's going to be probably the best way to use them. Or even just like Kem in general, like, you know, him as a screener and then just as a decision maker, good things happen. We saw it during that five game win streak. That was a lot of the success on their offense is that Kem was their center. They had four out and it was either him or it was Freddie, mostly Freddie making a decision. And then now you just have like the lanes wide open. And I think they need to utilize that need to find ways. Yes. Scotty has to play and he's, so damn good and it's been one of the reasons why probably the ceiling on this team has changed because of how well he's played so far this season but um it's going to be tricky right making sure that scotty is uh is not necessarily getting in the way it's kind of a bad way to put it because he's not going to get in the way he's too smart for that but his inability to shoot threes at this time at an effective rate is 
kind of a killer. And as you said, you know, Pascal, um, we hope they can shoot threes this year. And that's really important because that kind of, again, it changes who the Raptors are on the offensive end. And he got off to a great start um, against the Brooklyn Nets the other day, but there's a lot of decisions to be made. And I think kind of Nick is, is excited to kind of get into that and to make some and to tweak things and change things around. Like right now, I mean, they're six and five. And Nick even said today, he's like, I really like the position that we're in right now. We're six and five. Yeah. Would I prefer to be eight and three or seven and four? Sure. And that was absolutely on the table, considering how some of the games have gone. But um, you got to be kind of excited that, you know, you know, a month ago, we were saying that if the Raptors are just around 500 when Pascal returns, they're in good shape. And here they are at six and five. He came back early. They're about to head on, on this uh, West Coast trip. And things are looking up and defensively, I mean, it's there, right? It is absolutely there. And they're going to be a problem night in, night out for any team that they face. And so that part has been kind of solidified that they're at the very least going to be a tough team to play against. But now how do you make sure that you are getting the best out of each and every player. And something that you brought up is, you know, how are they going to use Pascal this season? Is it going to be similar to 2019-20? Or is it going to be yeah. more like 2020-2021? Or is it is he just a different player now? And that because of the circumstances, the different rosters that they have, that it's going to be a whole different can of beans that they're going to be doing this year. Yeah, for better or for worse. And, and I think, honestly, this is probably the biggest question, Right. In terms of how good are the Raptors this year? How good is Pascal Siakam? That's got to be the the underlying foundation. And so they've used him very differently in actually really interesting ways. Up into the championship, he was a dynamic player, right? He stood in the corners and hit threes. He cut from the corners. He attacked the offensive glass. Uh, He was just very mobile. He ran in transition. He did all, all those little things just exactly what we're talking about now, right? What you just mentioned about, about Scotty, about OG, they do stuff. It's sort of the spirit of Kyle Lowry still, you know, emanating in this roster. You just do a lot of things, whether you have the ball or not. Pascal did that very well. And then in 1920, into a, even um, to a less extent last year, but still to some extent uh, in 2021, he just stopped doing stuff. He preferred static basketball. He was maybe at his best initiating in the post. He had a ton of isolation plays. He was one of the top uh, 10 or 15 in terms of frequency isolation players in the league. And it was a huge departure from what was usual. That's not the best way to use them. That's not the best way to use them. Yeah. Particularly when you say the best way, we had seen the best way, right? They won a championship with the best way, most improved player. On the move. On the move. He was yeah. very good in 1920, right? Yeah. Second team all NBA. He was very good. But in many ways, he wasn't as beneficial without the basketball. And now that Fred Van Vliet has really blossomed into such a, such a good pick and roll player, now that OG Ananobi is really spreading his wings as an isolation guy, pick and roll guy, post guy, Scotty sort of needs the basketball. Pascal cannot be what he was in 1920. He can't even be what he was last year, right? That would be not a, uh, a downgrade for the Raptors because it's never a downgrade to add a guy like Pascal, but it would be far from the peak of what the team can be. And so I think Pascal needs to really improve, you know, specifically as a roller. He has never been a great roller. He needs to set better screens. He, need to, he needs to pace his role better. He needs to improve as a shooter, which we've already mentioned. And he needs to get back to to running in transition, right? 
to cutting, to just moving faster and more, which is something, I mean, last year, the year before, he just, he had the ball like 80 times a game. He was a key defender. It's hard to just keep running over and over and over. So not to blame the guy. No, you're right. It was circumstances, right? That he had to do that because last yeah. year's team was significantly, I would say, worse. Just like top to bottom, the top six or so, top five was intact, right? That was still very good. Yeah. But after that, I mean, it got really messy, man. And there was no consistency. And that's one of the things that I'm hoping that the Raptors can solidify a little bit this year is that you kind of have to establish like what's your top 10. Sure, there's going to be some changes around there because of injuries and uh, matchups stuff like that but um guys got to know like where the minutes are coming from and kind of precious talked about it today a little bit that he was in a bit of a rhythm you know before uh kem got his like little steady stretch there of minutes and he kind of lost it he sort of was talking about his struggles of finding that rhythm you know night in night out and even better like he also said that kem has been so helpful helping him figure out like where he's going to be able to get his opportunities. And that Kem is so good at kind of just like the basics, the fundamentals of being a big, that that's something that actually precious has to improve on because he's worked so much on, you know, adding different elements to his game, you know, three point shot, uh, his jumper overall, right. Being a rim runner and just kind of being a, an off ball cutter that he needs those like fundamentals. And that's what Kem is so good at. And we're going to talk about Kem in a second, but I'm not sure if the Raptors can even get to a point where they don't give like Ken a lot of minutes. Like he didn't play on Sunday because of injury and he's going to be out for maybe a few games actually, as uh, Nick said today, but they're going to need him. And that actually showed in that Brooklyn game is where did all those corner threes come from? That was a problem. (laughs) Not only did Brooklyn get a bunch of corner threes, they shot like 90% at the rim. They just didn't miss any layups. And a lot of that is look, Toronto has some of the best point of attack defense in the league with, Fred and OG and Pascal and now Gary. But if they get to the rim, you got to be able to stop them anyway. And Kem really comes into that. And I think Pascal, that's somewhere, I mean, he, he, as a rim protector, he has been excellent at times and he has at times preferred to close out to the perimeter. Toronto will need him to be more of a rim protector, especially if they're going to play Pascal, Scotty and OG without a center, right? Alongside Gary and Fred. And so just to finish off the Pascal thing from my point of view, if I could sort of um, uh, predict, not predict, but just like make the future happen, if I could say this is what will happen, I think Toronto would be at their best if he almost took a tiny step backward in, in terms of scoring. He scored 23 a game in 1920, 21 uh, last year. If he could be at like 18, even 19 points a game, that wouldn't be a disaster, right? If he were to just score a little more efficiently, have far less time with the ball, not fewer touches, but just less time when he does get a touch. I think that's where he would be at his best. And to be honest, that's what he was in Brooklyn, right? Obviously he was limited in terms of minutes and he, he was sort of frozen out by some of his younger teammates, which was weird. He wasn't doing it a lot, but when he did touch the ball, it looked like he had bought into sort of, I'm the guy, but I'm not the guy where I just hijack the offense. I'm the guy within the offense. And that that needs to happen, I think, to make the three of them work, to make Pascal work. Everything we've talked about so far is sort of, it's all tied together, obviously, and it's all predicated on buy-in. You mentioned uh, Nick is that mad scientist to make the weirdness work. And I think Pascal has to be sort of the, the, the first domino to fall. Uh, 100%. And you've touched on a few things that are actually very interesting is, 
the Raptors, I mean, against Brooklyn, like their offensive rebounding took a step back. And again, that was something that Nick mentioned. And you're going to be asking some of these players, and I'm talking about these these the four, the three that we're talking about, Scotty, OG, and Pascal, to like they need to do more of that. And Scotty already does that. And actually, OG has done a great job of doing that this season when he has struggled to kind of get his, his shot off. And when things aren't going his way, he's gone to the glass and got some offense rebounding and he's had some success at it. But that part of the Raptors' offense, and I'm saying it, it has to be part of it, it can't go away because each team, like if you just look at it from like the simplest point possible, like what are your what are your advantages over the other team, right? And the Raptors, like it's their overall height at every single position. And so at somewhere in those three, right? When you're looking at the opposition, there's going to be some kind of mismatch that they're going to be able to take advantage of. Like most, in most cases, in most nights, there's going to be something that they can do on the offensive end that's going to challenge the other team because they just have too much size at every single position. All these guys can as we're talking about, they can roll, they can, you know, possibly be um, in the pick and roll. They can be in the dunker spot. They can be a a slasher or a cutter off ball. All of them can do it. And so they have to take advantage of those things. And if they don't, yeah, you're not even doing what's right by your offense. You're not even doing right by your team because this is part of the ideology. This is what you're trying to do, how you're trying to overwhelm a team with your overall size and length. So you have to do it. And I don't think that can go away. I think Pascal and OG, they have to do things that maybe perhaps like are a little bit less traditional from the things that they want to do. And you're talking about what Pascal did last season. He has to be like, you're talking about, he has to be a completely different player. He has to be a cutter. He has to be running more in transition. And there was a possession uh, in that Brooklyn game where like, you know, Pascal, he was a monster on on defense, which was awesome to see. Like we kind of saw a bit of that sample size where it was like, what's the player going to do when they start on Scotty and then they get switched to OG and then they get switched to Pascal. I was just like, oh, oh, give me more. Give me more. Yeah, that was incredible. <laughs> it was, it's insane, right? And like Kevin Durant talked about it too. He's like, you know, you don't know what the Raptors are going to throw at you because now they have all this size, man. It's like overwhelming for any player. And like, you know, Kevin, he had a tremendous night, but you saw a sample size of it and it was very exciting. Um, but there, yeah, there's a possession where like Delano was running it. Well, Pasco caused a turnover. Delano was running a transition. You got your trailer, Pasco Siakam right right there and he gets an open layup out of it stuff like that has to happen for the Toronto Raptors and if it doesn't they're not even doing right by their own team absolutely I'm, I'm glad you mentioned ideology right teams like the Golden State Warriors the Philadelphia 76ers they don't need an ideology in the regular season right they can roll the ball out they can give Steph Curry or Joel Embiid 30 shots a game they're going to win most nights that's just the way it is right in the playoffs obviously everyone needs ideology but but Toronto in the regular season needs one that's just by virtue of honestly Kawhi Leonard leaving right not signing Giannis Antetokounmpo coming into this year but by virtue of all being homegrown not having those you know free agent superstars you have to win in a different way and it's so much fun watching them try to build that way from scratch so Kevin we're only 11 games in we're only 11 games into this right and we're all saying this is already so much fun (laughs) And Kevin Durant is like the one guy in the league where defense doesn't matter. Like the one guy, you know, you you switch Kevin Durant between Scotty, OG, Pascal. It just doesn't statistically, whether he's defended, whether he's not, it means almost nothing. You're still going to cook him. (laughs) Everybody else in the league, it does matter. And so we got excited watching them guard Kevin Durant. I mean, sure. He went off. Who cares? 
the real fun is yet to come when we watch Toronto's defense like sink its teeth into every other player. Um, something that is also interesting is, uh, you know, what they're going to do with their starting lineup now. And uh, it seems like uh, it's indications are that they're going to roll with um, Scotty and OG and Pascal. And maybe, you know, when we get there, the, you know, the Joel Embiid's, the Nikola Jokic's who had a very eventful night yesterday. Um, by the way, as we all know, that was, uh, that was something, um, did not think that was going to escalate to that point, but, uh, yeah, I could say in both parties kind of had what came to them. I'll put it that way. You know, <laughs> yeah, Morris brother. Shots. Yeah, exactly. The Morris brother, he took a shot at, uh, at Jokic and Jokic, he's known as a hothead. And so he's not really going to hesitate to, uh, retaliate. And, um, it kind of reminds me of, you know, we've all encountered in our lives that, you know, when, the younger sibling pokes or hits the older sibling, and then the older sibling retaliates, right? <laughs> the older sibling gets, gets in trouble because you're supposed to know better. That's exactly what happened. Yoka should know better because he's too damn strong. Um, but he, yeah, he gave him a pretty good shot. Anyways, besides the point, uh, yeah. What, what are the Raptors going to do with their starting lineup? What do you think? Yeah. Or what should they so, do, actually? To me, there's sort of three options. So on one hand, like you said, they can start the trio together, Pascal, Scotty, and OG. And then there's two options within that. Either they start them alongside a center, Ken Birch or Precious Chua. I would lean towards Birch. Obviously looks like everyone. Looks like Nick Nurse wants a Chua to sort of stay as a starter. And that setup with the center alongside the three, I think has some things to recommend it. The defense will be probably at its best with that lineup. Not probably. I think the defense will certainly be at its best with Ken Birch alongside the three and Fred. They will force a ton of turnovers. And frankly, Pascal, Scotty, and OG are all smart enough and good enough at those in-between things that they should be able to survive on offense with the center. Right? Ken Birch is a really good screener. Pascal, OG, Scotty will need to lean into all those things we talked about to make it work. I think it could work. So that's one way. Another way is those three alongside Gary Trent and Fred Van Fleet. And that way is a little smaller. Defense becomes a little bit more of a grind, particularly against <laughs> the guys you mentioned, right? Don't take any cheap shots against Nikola Jokic. Please, God, nobody. Or, you, or you will feel his wrath. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But I mean, that way maximizes the shooting, right? Gary Trent is just an unbelievable shooter. Guys respect the heck out of him behind the arc. And so that's really the most space where Pascal gets to dance in isolation, where OG gets to bang in the post. No one's going to come towards him, where Fred really gets to hit a lot of those threes. And so, you know, that is the, the offensive lineup. Still, I think without Kem, as a screener, you're going to miss some of the sort of the staple diet pick and roll of the NBA. So those are the two options. The third is you say, you know what? The three of these guys can make it work. They're going to make it work. It's first stretches, but it's not the starting lineup. That's not the, the way we want to play 20 minutes a game, maybe to close, but not 20 minutes a game. And they bring Scotty off the bench. They start Pascal OG chem. Fred and Gary. And I think that lineup probably will see a ton of time together, whether they start or not. And it's maybe the most natural fit. It has everyone playing their proper position, has a little bit more spacing. It has, uh, you know, Scotty gets to come off the bench, gets to touch the ball a lot more than he does if he starts alongside Fred and Pascal. 
so all three of them have their pros and I would be really upset if those lineups, if none of them saw time, like they all need time, whether they start or not is really where the conversation is uh, what we're talking about. What do you think? I mean, I, I laid out the pros and cons. Where would you land? Yeah, I keep on going back and forth on this. I talked to Sean Woodley last week and he was saying, just go with your five best players. And so that would be, I believe it was option A. It's Freddie, it's Gary, and then the three, uh, three yeah. amigos, if you will in Scotty and OG and Pascal. And I see the benefits to that, but it's, a, it's the intangibles that Kem offers, which you don't really notice how effective he is at what he does. And How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm afraid that they're going to lose those. And also, like, you're asking um, Pascal or whoever it's going to be, whoever's going to end up being kind of the five, quote unquote, you're asking them to do something that that's not really it's not really typical for them. Right. And there's going to be um, ramifications of that, that there's going to be issues that come up. There's going to be rotation issues because they're not used to playing that. And I mean, they're all smart players and I'm sure they're going to figure it out, but you know, I think that there's a lot of benefits to having Kem there as we're talking about just how steady he is in every which way you can't really replace it. There's no other big on the Raptors that does what he does as effectively as he does it. And I, I'm as I'm talking, I'm still undecided. I really don't know what they should do. I think they're going to go with um, having all three of them play in the starting lineup because I think they see a lot of benefits to it. I think they they want to see how this could work because this is kind of the future, regardless of this season. This yeah. is what they want to do anyways. And it's, if Scotty has a jumper, like we're not even talking about this, I don't think. Oh, it's right? all, yeah, conversation yeah. over. Right. Exactly. And if Pascal has, you know, if he's back to around league average from the three-point line, again, that's probably going to help them a, quite a bit. But uh, I'd also think about the other side of it too, is that each of these guys, and I keep on talking about, you know, they need time to cook. All these guys need time to cook. Like I want to see Scotty be able to play with, and they can do this, you know, through, you know, some savvy rotations, but they all need time to kind of eat. And Scotty needs yeah. time probably with the bench to, you know, be more of a, a ball handler, to be more of, kind of get him in that Marcus all role and have guys cutting off ball and, you know, letting him figure things out a little bit. And also OG needs time to just 
produce offense. Like there was a possession against the Nets where he was heading downhill on Lamarcus Aldridge and he pulled it out. I'm like, no, 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 no. You, you don't do that. Okay. <laughs> you do not pull the ball when you were OG and Anobi and you have shown that you are a very different player this year. Right. And like his, the variety of ways that he can score this season. Like I don't hesitate to say that he can score more ways than Pascal this year. Right. And I mean, Ooh. to, in more, in, I mean, in, as, as in, the shooter, in more variety, yeah, in more variety of ways. And Pascal, I mean, I feel for him because he was talking yesterday or against after that next Nets game where he said that when he found out he had to have surgery, like he actually started to cry because coming off that Tampa season and how how things went, like he probably identified some areas that he could get better. And not that he didn't already improve because he did improve based off the bubble, his performance. He did actually make some strides forward, but he wanted to get right back to the gym. That's his nature. And he wasn't able to do that, you know, as much as he probably wanted to during the offseason. And that's, that's, I'm sure that's impacted where he is right now. But OG, on the other hand, he got in the gym and he got up with his boy, dribbled too much. Hashtag, you find him on IG, dribbled too much. And he added all kinds of tools and, you know, his step backs and uh, those dribble, dribble combinations. Like he is a very different player. And I don't want to see OG take a step back on offense at all. I mean, we can say that, you know, Pascal's the number one or whatever the case is, but OG has shown that he can score in a variety of ways in different levels of space. And Pascal, I mean, he was a player, like I think they used him last year as more of a kind of the Kawhi Leonard role, right? Like they just kind of made, gave him space and said, all right, you do what you got to do. But I don't know if this offensive game is there yet. Like pass or Kawhi, for sure. If you give him space, he's going to cook anyone. Right. But Pascal, it's matchup based, it's spacing based, and then he can get you, you know, 25, 30, whatever. But there are other, there are players in the NBA that can stop him. Case like point blank, there are. But OG has shown that he can kind of get his offense against a lot of different kind of body types and he's still figuring it out. And I don't want that to go away. And an example would be in that uh, last five minutes of that Nets game, Gary Trent Jr., I'm switching a little bit. Gary Trent Jr. scored 10 points. It seemed like every time down the floor, he was taking a shot and they all went in. And it's like stretches like that where I think OG needs time to do something like that, right? You surround him with shooters and you just let him, you know, just feast on smaller players and you create switches that, that put him in a good position and you just let him go because he is so good this year on offense. And sure, there's, there's other things that he can do and he's going to keep on improving, but he's so much better. They can't lose that, <laughs> Lewis. They can't yeah. lose it. So, I mean, he's over 20 points a game this year. I wrote a piece that came out this morning for 538 about OG's offense. Here's a little anecdote from it. 12 guys, 12 current players in the NBA scored over 20 a game in their fifth season. OG's currently in his fifth season. Of those 12, 10 of them were an all-star that year. The other two were all-stars either previously or following the year either previously or following. So OG, if he scores 20 a game this year, I mean, it's very difficult to say he's not an all-star, especially considering his defense. It's pretty easy to bet on him right now for most improved player. So completely, right? You cannot let that slide. OG cannot be in the same role he was last year. He has proven he is just, he's evolved past that. He is overqualified. And that's where the creative rotations come in that you mentioned, mm -hmm. right? Honestly, and I know that this is sort of a cop-out, but who you start matters when you're starting. So eight minutes, six minutes of a game. 
the rotations that you choose to get different players cooking when, you know, Scotty playing with the bench, you mentioned Gary Trent getting all those shots up. You don't need the stars alongside him, alongside him when he takes over. And so I agree. OG and an OB need some time where he's the guy. And I think Pascal and OG are able to sort of mimic in the big picture, mimic what they offer to the offensive end. So both should be able to buoy those bench groups. So maybe what that means is you bring Ken Birch and Delano Banton and Chris Boucher, the, you know, the Canadian trio that they've brought in into the game, six minutes in, you take out maybe OG and Scotty and Trent, and then you let Fred and Pascal cook with the bench, right? That's the time they can work together. They've always been great together. Yep. But then next time in, that's when OG gets his chance, when Fred and Pascal are sitting. So, I mean, it's just talking about those rotations is a blast. And what I would give to be a fly on the wall in those coaches <laughs> meetings, we're like, no, 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 we need, we need Scotty to come in eight minutes in the second <laughs> quarter. And I mean, it would just be so much fun to be a yeah, coach. Yeah, we're, we're talking math now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I guess. Sorry, I nerded off. I brought us to math. I apologize. No, it's okay. But you're but... <laughs> right, though. This is like this is kind of we're talking math, right? Math and yeah. what's the best matchups and how do you make sure that the player has like you know five minutes where they're the guy and who's yeah. accompanying those players and is it going to put them in a position to be successful? Like, do you have Delano Banton and OG? Like, Delano's not a great three point shooter, although it seems like he's been going to Nick Nurse Night School and his shot has like kind of lost the hitch. So that's helpful. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you, you got to factor all these things? It's, it's kind of fascinating to watch what they're going to do, um, but it's also a bit of a headache. It's a good problem because you have too many good yep. players, right? No number one guy, quote unquote, but you have a lot of good players who can do a lot of really good things for your offense. You just have to find out like, how are you going to do, how are you going to get, how are you going to pull this off? And as we're talking about, you know, Ken Birch is, I'm curious if he has been kind of sort of relegated to being a bit of a matchup dependent big and the, the Brooklyn Nets situation that we talked about when, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge came in and they had no one to, to guard him is, are these situations that now Ken is going to be playing? I'm, I'm curious, despite all the great things that he does, and, you know, what the Raptors have said, you know, they gave him the contract and they're obviously like, they're very fond of what he offers to the lineup, but um, this is still a development year and I'm sure they want to make the playoffs, but the faster that they're able to get, you know, Precious up to speed and Scotty as a jump shooter and, you know, understanding different situations and putting him, making him uncomfortable in a good way, the faster they're going to get back to that championship level. And as Masai said, playing for what? right? They don't yeah. care about, you know, being an eight seed, right? Like it's not what they need to do. Like they want to make the playoffs. Sure. But this is still an integral development year because they have all their main guys, like they're all signed for the future. So this is still a process, but yeah, your thoughts on that, uh, Cam potentially being a matchup dependent big. I mean, I, I hope not. Right. The, the easy answer, I hope he's not because you mentioned all those little things he gives that, that people don't notice. Toronto needs that. But frankly, there's a number of decisions the team could make that might squeeze his minutes. And so one is, what do they view Precious Achua as? Right now, Ken Birch is a significantly better player than Precious. That's just facts of the matter, right? He just is. Yep. Likely, yep. Precious will become better than Kem ever has been. Whether that happens four years from now 
or whether that happens four months from now is the question for Toronto, right? And, and playing Precious, guaranteeing him minutes is a tip of the hand that, okay, they want him to be the guy who improves, right? They're betting on his development. I'm not certain he will be better than Ken Birch at any point this season. He just has so much to improve on. And Ken Birch is so much better than his numbers indicate, than his reputation would indicate. But there's more. There's more coming for Birch's minutes than just Precious, right? Like we mentioned, Pascal, Scotty OG need to play. There's other wings. When Yuta Watanabe comes back, he gives yeah, stuff that no factor. one else on yeah, the roster He gives. is going to play. He is going to play. Svimahailuk. I mean, he gives that sort of second side punch where he can drill a triple or just attack a rotation and either finish or pass. There's not a lot of non-star guys who can do that for Toronto. And by not a lot, I mean like none. There's zero non-star guys who can do that. Yep. With and that so, size too. Yep. Ex- and so if you give Yuta minutes, if you give Svi minutes, they're not coming at the cost of Fred Pascal, Scotty, OG, they're coming at the cost of Kim. And so he's in a very difficult situation where, you know, it's like he's, he's trapped in a pen and there's wolves all around sort of nipping at his ankles, trying to steal those minutes. <laughs> like if they try to win this year, if they say, Oh, you know what? We can be a top four team. We can have home court advantage. Kim plays like he just, then he's going to be playing no matter what. Yep. But if they're into the play-in, Kem's not the guy who's sort of adding to his, his game in, you know, by leaps and bounds. And so, like you mentioned, I'm sort of circling back to exactly where you brought us, you know, how the team views where they are this year. That's where they view Kem's minutes. Yeah. Um, and it's like we're talking about, it's going to be fascinating to see what they do and they're kind of going to tell us what their plan is for this season. Right. Um, based off of that, I even like, you know, Nick saying, you know, he's, prefer to be seven and four or eight and three this season. I'm sure he does, but I feel like there've been situations where he's a little, he's playing a little bit and that could be yeah. because there's so many new players on, on the team and he has to figure out, you know, what situations people are comfortable in and they, he has to get them acclimated to being at different parts of the court and operating in space and in the pick and roll things of that we're talking about. So I, I think he's also tinkering and then, you know, Pascal's here now, thankfully, and that's another level of tinkering that's going to be needed. And he's a very smart player. You know, I think he, he could probably play the five or if it's going to be OG, whoever it's going to be, who's, who's going to be the designated uh, rim protector. He can do it. And I'm sure he'll do it happily. If, if any indication that we get from that first game is that he is locked into playing defense and running the floor and doing the things that's going to help them be successful. And he talked about it on training camp too. He's like, he doesn't look at things as, you know, I'm the guy or who's the guy. He's like, I look at it like, wins or losses and that's what he's that's what he's valuing and that's obviously it's been echoed by every player on the roster it seems like it seems like it's kind of a methodology it seems like it's kind of like what they're preaching and everyone's bought in there's been lots of buy-in um so it's it's going to be interesting like there's no right answer i think they have a lot of good answers but in those situations you know five minutes left and uh there's a bit of a size issue and they got to decide what they want to do you know are they going to leave Scotty out there? Are they going to leave OG to guard a bigger player, the Jokic's, or are they going to bring in Kemp? Or is it going to be Precious because they want to get Precious use of, use of those situations and understanding um, how to, you know, hedge and all these things. Like there's a lot to learn for, for Kemp or for, for Precious rather. And it's going to be interesting. 
Very interesting. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think it'll be fluid, right? I don't think there'll ever be the guy who comes in, even against the – like, they play Philadelphia, say, 10 games, and they come down to the crunch time – to crunch time in the last five minutes each of those 10 games. I don't think you'd even see the same lineup in those 10 games, even though it's the same opponent, same situation. It's just, like you say, it's a very fluid team, a lot of tinkering, and everyone is tinkering, right? Fred changing his role, changing his game. OG, we've already mentioned him. Pascal, we need him to, to be a slightly more connective player this year. And we haven't even mentioned Chris Boucher, who's really needed to overhaul his game and hasn't been able to. Malachi Flynn, who's played super well and hasn't pl- got into the game, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, Svi has has probably played more consistently than he has on a, on a good team for a long time. Right, Goran Dragic can't get off the bench, and he's a good player. Like yeah, I don't think everyone he's be getting off the bench either, man. I think he's going like to be staying ever there again. <laughs> I mean, what, what reason do you have to play him? Like, if any time you're going to be putting him on, it should be Malachi coming on, right? Oh well, yeah. With with Malachi, you know, hitting his jumpers, and with Delano Benton being as good as he is, well, yeah. The, then there's no reason, right? Yeah. With the development the team has had. It makes no sense. And likely they'll probably end up releasing him, waving him. Um, because if, if you can't find space for a guy and if you don't want him on your team, then teams say, okay, we're not, we're not going to wait for you to just sure. like uh, trade for him. We're not going to jump the gun to trade for him. We're just going to wait for you to release him because you don't need him anyway. So, you know, the, the Goran Dragic has been a professional aside from one quote when he thought he was going to be traded that day. It's just, he has been really good in a situation. He's been a great teammate by all accounts. Yeah. I have no, no issue with him sitting on the bench. I'm sure he, he knows what the score is. He's going to be fine with it. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, but, oh, oh, but back to the, just to finish off the tinkering thing, a lot of tinkering. The only guy who's not tinkering is Kemp, right? <laughs> so he's the only guy who's not in flux. They know what he gives. He gives solid stuff. Yeah. So uh, it, it's funny. It seems like he is both necessary on the team and also seemingly doesn't quite fit their, you know, grand schemes for the future. There was one game where uh, Nick said afterwards, he's like, we needed Kim and he delivered. And I think we're going to be hearing that a couple times. We oh, needed yeah. Kim and he delivered because he is going to deliver. He knows what his role is. He knows what he can do. He, know what he, he knows what he can't do. He knows what he wants to do too. It was hilarious. He's like, I don't want to score. He's like, it was a yeah. contract last year. I had to score, but now I don't want to score. I just want to win games. It's like, what? I mean, he's been, okay. He's been <laughs> cool. in Orlando and Toronto. It's unfair. He belongs on a championship team, right? He belongs yeah. on a team that knows they're trying to win where he gets set 10, 15 minutes off the bench and he can just win those minutes. A rebuilding team isn't necessarily the best place for him. Maybe yeah. Toronto is better than we think, right? But yeah, that was insane. Saying I don't want to score. Has anyone ever said that before in the history of the NBA? <laughs> Only Raptor players during this uh, Masai Ujiri era, I think. Yeah. Last thing I want to mention is right now the Raptors, they're shooting 34.6% from three um, over their last 10 games, that is. I say last 10 games, not 11, because that first game um, against the Wizards, they shot so terribly. And if you factor that in, they jumped down yeah. to 21st in the NBA, but at 34.6%, over the last 10 games, they're at 14th. And I think that's yeah. probably more comparable to where they're going to be uh, going forward. And Fred Van Bleet, probably their best three-point shooter. Um, he's operating a lot in the pick and roll right now. And he's getting his 
his dose of touches through that, but he has outlined that he has no interest in really scoring this year. He's going to do it when he has to, right? And against, uh, what matchup was it? Um, oh, the Wizards, where they're playing that drop coverage. That was a situation where he was pretty much he had to shoot, right? Yeah. Because they're doing the drop coverage and there was just an opportunity for mid-range shots, for three-point shots. And at that moment, he was an asset, right? He was the person who's, who's been designated that you are the one who has to create for us because this is yep. what the defense is dictating. And I think the Raptors are going to do a lot of their offense through that. It's like, what is the best matchup and how can we expose it? But, you know, they're going to need his shooting and they're going to need it probably a lot of it off ball, similar to what he's done in previous seasons when Kyle Lowry was here and he was the shooting guard. And I don't think that should go away. I have been one of the people who has said nonstop that I want Fred to be a point guard this year, right? Because he yeah. is a point guard. He's not a shooting guard. He's shown that he is a point guard. He had 17 goddamn assists earlier. He is a point guard. Yeah. Okay. Um, but they need his shooting off the ball. And I think it's going to help them. If we're talking about Scotty and Pascal and OG, it's going to help create space for all of them. So what are some ways that you can envision that they're going to, they're going to get Freddie off the ball? Yeah. I mean, He's taking seven and a half threes a game. Frankly, that's not enough. Like Fred is such a good shooter that it should be near 10. And I know that that's an insane thing to say. That's <laughs> in like Steph Curry end, numbers, right? Yeah, there. <laughs> that, I mean, it is though. That's like, that's where his offense needs to be. He's yeah. shooting 37% so far. And that's probably reasonable because so many of his threes, like you mentioned, are pull-ups. And so how do they get his percentage up? Exactly as you said, by getting him off ball, right? By getting him into, into the catch and shoot. Because he's one of the best 10, 15 catch and shoot shooters in the entire league. Mm -hmm. And so how do they do that? I think by putting OG even more into his role, like let him post up, let him isolate by, by getting Pascal some pick yep. and roll touches transition fred loves running to the corner when he's not the one with the ball so pascal scotty og let those be the guys that that grab the rebound and run and fred can run to the corner where he'll just he's automatic in transition mm -hmm. there and so yeah fred uh i think his pull-up threes is about where it should be he's taking a, a goodly number and he needs one two more catch and shoot threes scotty right he has shown really a great predilection for driving he could actually be even a little less greedy with those plays and say okay you know i hit the paint turn around give it to fred who's circling behind me sure and so there's a lot of guys who could be looking for him more precious when he grabs and goes with the rebound he should i mean just look to pass all a lot more rather than just driving into the paint and and fred half, is though. just Right. Get past half. Yeah. yeah. Get past <laughs> half. I mean, maybe get to the three point line and then pass. Um, yeah. And so, you know, there's a lot of guys who could create for Fred. And I think the big thing is, is just natural, right? Pascal is already back. He's the guy that's going to get all those touches. He's going to run all those plays. So I think we're going to see Fred go off ball just as a matter of course, just naturally. So mm -hmm. it doesn't need to be anything that changes. It's just a matter of who's on the floor. Yep. And uh, Pascal, to his credit, I mean, we've talked about some of the things that I've talked about, some of the things that he's not, but he is a tremendous passer, right? And he showed yep. it last year. He, he took, uh, he made some strides in, in that. And uh, I think he averaged 4.5 assists last year. That is a, a great number for a, a team that wasn't actually very good. You put him on the floor with some better players, that number is going to go up. And uh, OG has shown that he, uh, I mean, from the 
from the day that he entered the NBA that he he's a smart player. He can make really good reads in, in difficult situations, and he's very calm in those situations. He's shown it this year that uh, he can make really good reads when he gets those doubles. Like he knows exactly where the ball has to go most of the time. And I think, you know, an idea of a Pascal OG pick and roll and you have Fred off ball. I mean, that, that sounds pretty good to me. Sign me up. And I oh, think yeah. we should see a lot of that. And, you know, Gary, just as for what he is, you know, he can, I'm not sure how much you wanted him operating the pick and roll, but you certainly want him to be um, off ball and to be um, moving without the ball because there's a lot of uh, upside to, to that because he is a great catch and shoot player. I think there's, you know, he can make some improvements there as, you know, if I'm being picky because he's already shooting, I think like 41% from on catch and shoot threes. So that's obviously a very good number, but you know, the higher that goes, the better the Raptors are going to be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he'll, they need guys who will hurt you when other players create an advantage, but they have enough, like Fred Pascal, they have enough guys who can create an advantage. And that's what makes Gary so good is if someone else draws the defense, he's going to hurt you. Mm-hmm. Closing up the podcast now, man. Um, thank you so much for, for joining me. Do you have any closing thoughts? Oh man, just it. it Talking about this stuff gets me so excited. Like my closing thought is how unbelievably fun it's going to be to just watch them. And we asked how like 50 questions during this podcast, (laughs) watching Toronto lay out 50 answers is going to be just basketball nirvana. So closing thoughts, just how unbelievably fun this year is and how fun it will continue to be. Man, Tampa was not fun, but we are back to <laughs> having so much fun with this Raptor team. For that 1920 yeah. team was fun personalities, fun off-court per- people, um, and they were winning yeah. in such a weird amount of ways, so many injuries, and they just kept on winning games. Um, but this team, because of what they're trying to do and the early signs are that it's going to be successful and they're just kind of like scratching the surface of what they're going to be. It's going to be a very fun season. Lewis, you can find him at 538 and Raptors Republic. Thank you so much for joining me. And uh, yeah, look up for his work and we will talk to you all soon. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. 